0: I never knew that you could train a cat so I'm just there by myself in the kitchen with a cat jumping a metre from stool to stool between a hoop and I, I just, yeah, I think I just started laughing.
1: Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts, learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to the Cat Explorer podcast. I'm
2: Hasara. And I'm Daniel. Before we jump into today's exciting chat, we would love it if you could screenshot this podcast, post it on your Instagram stories, and tag us at catexplorer.community and our awesome guest at VanCatMeow. We'll reshare in our stories and we can't wait to hear what you think of today's episode. We'd love to thank our amazing sponsor, Superkit.
1: There are those moments when we might go exploring by ourselves with our kitties. This means that we have to put their harness on by ourselves.
2: In these moments, we find that we are holding the kitty in one hand and only have one hand to put their harness on. What we loved about the Superkit harness was that this is completely possible.
1: We can easily put our kitty's paws through the strap and clip it together at their shoulder.
2: You can get your own Superkit harness at superkit.co.
1: Today's guest book, Van Cat Meow, is a story about a midlife crisis and changing it into a midlife opportunity. Together, Richard and his cat, Willow, have been vanning around Australia and seeing its amazing sights. I love hearing about the different views they see, the variance between the different locations and all the animals and people they meet, and I'm so excited to chat to Rich today. Welcome to the podcast, Rich.
0: Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Cool. So, you're known as the Aussie who's um, traveling around Australia with your cat, but I'd like to jump a a little bit into your life before that, do you mind telling us what you're what you were doing before you started vanning and how you came to the decision to change your lifestyle?
0: Yeah, so I guess you could say life was very different than before. In 2014, I quit my job and sold my house, and we got a van and converted it basically into a little tiny house on wheels. And yeah, since then, um, we've been yeah we've been traveling around Australia. But yeah, before then, I had had the office job I had you know the house and I guess some would some would call it the Australian dream but yeah what I didn't have was happiness.
1: Mm.
2: Wow that's definitely a transformation from one life to another. You mentioned about getting your prepping, prepping your van and converting it could you just talk a, a little bit about how you know how you started doing that and what the what the realities of pre- preparing to live in a van are, because a lot of people have that, you know, fanciful notion and have that desire to live that van life, but they may not know where to start.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it, it took a fair bit of work to sort of figure out um, how I'd sort of execute the plan. And yes, it's not, it, it sounds like it could have been like a, you know, a bit of a midlife, well, it was a midlife crisis, but, um, you know sort of a spur of the moment thing but I, I like to call it the most well orchestrated midlife crisis uh ever
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah
0: there's there a there's a lot of planning and um and spreadsheets and you know all that all that stuff to figure out before it happened so yeah to, um you know i sort of uh, i had like software to design the inside of the van and i had all my budget sorted out and all that stuff so are we, are we talking do you want to know about like how i made the van or
2: yeah, if you could talk us briefly through, like, you know, what's the what's the van life look like? You know, is there a toilet in there? Is there a kitchen? Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> how, does it, how does it all come together? Because you do explain a bit about it in page 45 of your book that you've got out. But just if you can give us a high-level overview of, that yeah, so, of what that would look like.
0: Yeah, the vehicle I've got is a T5 transporter. And when I got it, it was just an empty shell. And so... I'd had vans previous to this, so I sort of had a bit of experience in sort of what I wanted to build and, um, yeah, fitted it out with, um, you know, a bed, cupboards to put all my um, all my gear and a little kitchen and it's, I guess some would call it rough. For me, it's a four-star hotel room on wheels, but, you know, there's no shower, there's no toilet. I'm, all, I'm reliant on, you know, showering in, in the creek or in the ocean or uh, finding a hot hot shower somewhere so you know in a way it's roughing it but for me it feels like absolute luxury
1: and to be honest you get to go to these beautiful places so you can go shower in the creek or something like that so I think I didn't I suppose to a certain degree you might be roughing it but you're seeing all these beautiful things and experiencing all these amazing things so I don't think in that way that you're roughing it if that makes sense
0: yeah it's so true I mean the places we get to go it's just incredible and you know you you drive past the five star resorts who are you know hundred meters from the beach and then you just park right on the beach and yeah you, you you can't help but think that life is pretty
2: good yeah <laughs> the next level of experience definitely
1: yeah definitely so I love how um you take Willow on the um Willow on the road with you can you tell us a little bit about Willow
0: yeah so Willow was a rescue cat and we adopted her in I think 2012 and you know she settled into suburban life as much as I was at the time and you know she was the sweetest little cat she always has a um, a curious tail I like to call it so when she's um she, yeah she has a tail which looks like a question mark as a little ode to her curiosity <laughs>
1: <laughs> but bad.
0: yeah so we um we just had the suburban life and um when I was sort of making these plans to, um, to go around Australia, I didn't quite know where she fitted in with it. So it wasn't until like, you know, a few months before I was meant to leave, that I figured, you know, she's, she's always been there for me and, you know, I made the promise not to uh, leave her behind. So I took her with me.
1: That's awesome. Um, did you have to prepare her in any way to go on the road with you?
0: yeah so this was before this was before van catting was a thing and you know there, there weren't all the instagram accounts on cat exploring so like for me it was a very new thing i didn't know it was possible and the the inspiration i had to go on was um robert from Catman Two. do you know um mm-hmm. yeah didger and boomer who live on the gold coast so these, these are two cats which have been trained up by their owner to do all these little tricks, and I was inspired by this. So I, I started doing tricks with Willow, and it, I, we didn't do anything. Um, we didn't sort of progress with it that much, but it was enough for me to sort of realise that she could adapt and we'd be able to make it work on the road. We'd be able to, you know, sort of conquer any problems that came about. Mm-hmm.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I love watching what Digi can do. Like I think um he has the um world record for the most tricks done in a certain amount of time, which is pretty cool. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Did you when you taught Willow those tricks, did you use like clicker training or treats or anything like that?
0: Yeah, so um yeah, so Robert had I think he mentioned the clicker. Mm-hmm. This was before cat school, unfortunately, yeah. so <laughs> the amazing resource that is cat school. But, yeah, yeah so I got a clicker and um, first I, I put her in a harness and yeah. I got her to follow – I got her to um, go to the target with a click and then I'd have her following me all around the house. So we just go from one end of the house to the other. And then it wasn't long before I'd sort of got her to turn around, to sit, to lie down, and then um, – the uh the grand finale was um, jumping from one kitchen stool to the other through a hoop
2: oh that sounds that sounds very good <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's yeah a so progression for her and yeah it, it seemed
0: yeah like... it, it, it made me realize that you know it's, she can adapt and it would work out all right but it was it was rather comical because I, I never knew that you could train a cat so I'm just there by myself in the kitchen with a cat jumping a meter from store to store between a hoop, and I, I just yeah, I think I just started laughing because it was just so absurd.
2: <laughs> so, then in your preparations for taking Willow on the road, you mentioned or you know, these doing these um tricks and practices with Willow that sort of helped prepare her as well as getting her own harness as a leash and so forth. Was there anything that you? Looking back now, you think, oh, that would have been a good skill to give or to teach her, or that's something that she lacked, you know, based on the experience and practice afterwards that you thought, oh, that could have been a good idea?
0: Um, not really. I, I was very lucky in how she did adapt, but um, it wasn't a case that, you know, the vans, I've completed the conversion on the van, put the cat in the van, let's go. Um, it was a very slow process. So we'd go for little trips, you know, day trips and then weekends and then weeks away. So, you know, it was a very slow progression. And during that time, um, we sort of figured out what we needed, you know, what, what she needed to be happy, what she needed to live on the road. So, yeah, it was, it was by that sort of slow going process that we figured out how to, how to make it all work.
2: Okay, so it is very experimental, like, like we found with many other people in the community when they're trying to take their cats on boats or bike rides and so forth. It is a just a case of pushing that envelope bit by bit, day by day, and you seem to have done that with your van catting lifestyle.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, a, it's about not rushing it. So when I, when I was working on the van um, in my friend's driveway, um, Willow would, was free to explore around, and she'd sort of you'd poke her head in and see what I was up to. And it was that way that she sort of familiarised herself with the van and how she got used to it. So it wasn't a big step for us to, you know, for me to close the door and for us to drive somewhere.
1: Mm, yeah, that's, um, that's a really good point. I really like how Willow had that opportunity to, to, like, make herself comfortable while the van, like, while you were still developing the van and um, getting it ready um, to go exploring as well. Um, you mentioned that during those short trips you started to learn what Willow would need while you're on the road. Do you mind taking us through a few things that you, like items and stuff like that that you found that Willow needed?
0: Yeah, the, the biggest one um, is um, how to sort of, how to have water accessible to her all the time. So I, I solved this problem by getting a um, like a plastic kitchen container and cutting a circle in the in the top, in the lid, so that way when we're driving, the water doesn't splash around and sort of go everywhere. Mm. <laughs> so it means I don't have to keep filling up a, a water container for her, so she's always got the water there to go. So that's one little trick. <laughs> but, oh, so, um,
1: sorry, can we just jump into that a little bit? So yeah. it's just like a normal Tupperware container where you've cut a hole at the top?
0: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's so smart.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what we well, – because um, just for a bit of background, when we did a recent road trip with our cats, we tried to give them water, but, like, their crate just kept getting full of water because they it, yeah it's filling. So that's such a smart idea. We need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it,
0: yeah, you, you just, you just got to make sure the hole in the top can fit the cat's head so yeah. they can, you know, comfortably go in there. But yeah, we've yeah. we've gone on, on like the bumpiest roads, and you know everything stayed dry. So yeah, it works.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Did you have any other um, suggestions?
0: Um, yeah, so I've got basically the largest cat carrier I could purchase, um, which is placed under my sink, and um, yeah, if she needs to travel in there, I've, I've just got that's just always set up ready to go. Because, um, yeah, there are there are various state laws saying that, you know, a cat needs to be contained whilst driving. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's somewhat open to interpretation because if, um, if she's just started her, uh, you know, 12-hour nap on the bed under the doona, she's somewhat contained already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know. I've never been pulled up on it, but, you know, it's there just in case. And there are times when I do put her in there if I'm – if I'm sort of opening the doors all the time, getting in and out, and it's, it's a place where I don't want her to sort of get out, um, I'll keep her in the carrier.
1: That's awesome. Um, what Do you know what type of carrier it is?
0: Oh, I'm not sure. I, th- I got okay. in it, you know, just one of the, um, one of the big um, pet yeah. stores. Yeah, it's yep. like one of the, um, you know, airline-approved sort of oh, things. Oh, yep, yep.
1: yeah, yeah, um. yeah. Because carriers is always a challenge as well. Because there's so many out there, so I'm always like curious as to what everyone's using. But that's awesome that you found a spot for her carrier. What about um kitty litter?
0: Yeah. So on the only recently have I got um, a tray in the van. I was always sort of um, put off by the idea of. her uh, using the tray whilst I'm in the van because it is, I guess you call it a confined space.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: not, not very pleasant. But um, in the first half of the trip, we survived pretty well. But if she ever wanted to go to the toilet during the night, um, she's reliant on me waking up and going outside and, you know, disturbing my sleep. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it worked pretty, pretty well. But I was like, oh, I really wanted to sleep through the night for once. <laughs> and this was after this was after three years of dealing with this you know sometimes multiple times during the night going out and it's it hard to hard to work out whether she actually needed to go to the toilet or just wanted to you know chill out outside for a little bit so now um I've got a another like kitchen tub um with um yeah quite deep sides it's probably almost a little bit too small for her if I find, like, a slightly better size, I might buy one at Kmart or Big W or wherever. But, yeah, just fill that up with, um, at the moment, I'm using the uh, the Crystal, Crystal Cat Litter.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that seems to do pretty well.
1: Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so for, tra- like, in our car, we actually use a big Kmart Tupperware container. So, like, we can uh, close it up. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, they've got, like, a really um, big one. So, for our um, listeners around the world, Kmart and... Big W, I suppose. Oh, I don't know what in a it's like
2: big box department stores kind of thing. Like, yeah,
1: but then similar, like, like a bit sense. cheaper. Yeah, yeah price range. End. Yeah, um, but they've got some pretty awesome like containers, and well, they've got everything really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, think...
0: the, the, greatest about, uh, the greatest thing about the greatest thing about the tubs is that you can put a lid on it. But I always have freak out moments where I'm, um, where I've left her in the van to go shopping. I'm like, did I take the lid off the tray? And then I would run back, <laughs> just in case she wanted to go.
1: Um, so uh, Kitty Cat Chronicles. So Emily, she, um, who was on season one of our podcast, she's actually put a hole in her top, um, not Tupperware, her big container for the kitty litter. So that might be an idea, so that Willa can go in. But then I suppose you can't really close it up to get rid of the smell.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it would still work because you've got the plastic, you know, the I, I use a liner as well on it as well. Okay. So that okay. would probably work as well. But yeah, you have yeah. to think, I mean, Willow's eight years old at the moment. So, you know, we're, we're entering middle age together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, you know, as she gets older, I've got to make sure that her needs are met in that regard. So she might, you know, in the next couple of years might need a bit more help.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: And they tend
2: to get set in their ways a little bit. <laughs> okay, so you also mentioned that Willow goes exploring. And one of the things that Willow does is that she explores off-leash, off-leash. And we know that this is a deliberate decision that you've taken. Do you mind talking us through that process? And how do you decide whether it's a safe exp- uh, location for it to explore in?
0: Yeah, well... I guess people's perception of Australia is there's sharks, snakes, crocodiles everywhere, and in many ways they're right.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, we, we're very careful where we where we let her out. So um, you know if it's if it's a place with like long grass, that sort of gives me the worries. But generally, um, I'm very lucky that she doesn't stray very far. So she. If, if I let her out, it's rare that she'll go more than 10 or 20 metres away from the van. So as long as the area around the van I can see is clear and, you know, it's not like in a car park where there's lots of traffic, then I'm quite happy to just to let her out.
1: That's awesome. And I think um, part of the reason that she doesn't stray so far is that she's got such a great bond with you as well. And you guys have such great, like, you trust each other and things like that, Um. And you speak a little bit about that in your book too. Do you mind telling us how you discovered that you, you have a great bond and how does she trust you?
0: Oh, well, yeah, There's, I mean, there's lots of stories. I mean, yeah. I guess people, people always say, well, why doesn't she run away? And I'm like, why would she run away? Like, I'm an okay guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I guess, I mean, for us, us who are exploring with, with their cats, it just seems... Um, like a silly question, but I guess for other people, they're used to their cats just running away. But Willow's so bonded to, I guess, me and also the van. Like, she she just knows it's her home. So whenever we park up, if I let her out, I know that if she feels frightened or she's uncertain, she'll just come back to the van. Whether she um, jumps in the side or, or hides underneath, she knows that it's her safe place.
2: Yeah, I suppose that's very similar to the way we find Lumos and Oxy, you know, treat their backpacks and now their stroller as the safe spot that when we go exploring, if they're scared, they just jump back in. So the van, I suppose, by extension, is just a larger, you know, backpack in a a sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's certainly her safe spot. But, I mean, the problem I've found lately is that it's probably, she finds it a bit too comfortable in that she's, she's exploring exploring um less and less because she knows that you know life is good around the van it's where she has a shade it's where she has her treats and pats and all her cuddles so um yeah i've been trying to venture out a bit more with her lately
2: so we mentioned about the prospect of losing willow have you ever um had a moment where you thought you lost willow and <laughs> take us through how how that experience and how you found her again
0: Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, when, we're, uh, when we're 30 days into our trip, um, we're coming up through Victoria after leaving Tasmania and we're parked on the Murray River, which is a beautiful spot. And um, I let her out and I was just sort of doing a bit of work on the van, a little project I was working on. And I was keeping an eye on her, but um, she'd sort of go off into the bush and then come back. And she did this about you know two or three times, and it got to about ten o'clock, and I was like, "Where is she?" I, I couldn't find her. And um, in short, um, I didn't find her again for three days. So thirty days into my trip, I've I've lost my cat, and I was absolutely horrified.
2: Wow! Wow! Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so what did you do after that? Like in those three days?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, apart from crying and panicking, um, I had a tracker, a radio frequency tracker on her collar, and um, I could basically walk around and and if I'm within about a hundred meters, it'd be able to get the signal and I'd work out where she was. But um, I just I couldn't get the signal, um, and I was the, the, for the I didn't get a signal until the second day, the end of the second day, and. Uh, I was walking along this track, which I'd sort of spent the whole day walking around, and, you know, suddenly it lights up and there's a few beeps, and so, like, I'm, you know, excited that I found her, so I I run towards her, and this scares her off, and she just uh, moves further and further into the bush, and, yeah, I I lose the signal and any hope of finding her that night. So it wasn't until the next night that um, I sort of figured she'd be out and about at that hour, so I went out again and um, found the signal and just very quietly whispered, you know, Willow, Willow, please come home. And she, uh, she uh, yeah, she just walked, I got the signal on the tracker and she just slowly walked up to me and then I grabbed her and didn't let her go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I can imagine the relief that you felt when you saw her then, like, oh, that would have been a very scary few days.
0: Yeah, but yeah, without the tracker, it would have been a lot more difficult. And there's um, that was the 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 tracker I had then was the uh, TabCat, and that's a really good product. Um, But the distance is quite limited. Um, But it's it's the it's the tracker that I use the most with Willow because I can quickly see where she is, and it's also pretty cheap to buy or you know reasonable price to buy. But there's another tracker called the Marco Polo, which I also use. And the coolest thing about this one is that you can put it into monitor mode, and if, um, if she goes like a certain distance away from the van, it'll start beeping. So it sort of gives me the, um, the confidence to, you know, know that she's outside, and if she does sort of move around, then I can quickly go out and check where she is.
2: Okay. So then when you, – because you, we've now mentioned the trackers, it sounds like She's always got a tracker on her, is that right? So that when she does go off-leash, it's not like you've got no idea where she is. It's, it's a case of just following that tracker.
0: Yeah, it, I'd, I'd never let her off the leash without a tracker. No way. <laughs> that's, a,
2: that's a very important piece of the puzzle for going off-leash.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's so much... I mean, the the Tabcat has a range of, like, 100 metres, and you might not think that's a lot, but given... Um, Given how many places a, a little cat can hide in a small area, um, it's a, it's the difference between finding your cat and not finding your cat, pretty much.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so just for our, um everyone's understanding, so the Tab Cat and the Marco Polo, I believe they're both radio frequency trackers. Is that correct?
0: Yes, the, the technology yeah. they use is radio frequency, and yeah. I guess people people instantly think of GPS for mm-hmm. locating a cat but um gps i don't recommend because firstly a a cat is likely to you know find a little spot to hide and just stay there or nap for 22 hours or whatever (laughs) so um it it works well with dogs because they're likely to move around but for cats because the gps isn't very accurate um it's not a technology that works very well so the radio frequency is you know I, i think it's far more superior
1: yeah, that makes sense. And also, um, I suppose GPS requires like cellular, like mobile reception. So a lot of Australia, when you're out there, it's not the reception's not the best. So um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. with uh, with GPS, it can either use the phone network to um, sort of pass on the coordinates of the tracker of the caller to you. could you there's a few which actually use radio frequency um which means that you can use them without um without phone coverage but still it's you know it's still quite inaccurate because you know if that if that if the device is under a log and it's cloudy you know it could be you know 50 meters inaccurate
1: Mm, yeah definitely i understand that one so with the, um, am I correct in my understanding that with both the Marco Polo and the Tabcat, there's a little attachment that you put, like you attach to Willow's collar?
0: Yeah, both of them have a, um, yeah, like a little, uh, the Tabcat is a little silicon, um, I don't know what you call it, a little silicon casing that you wrap, mm-hmm. that you put around the collar or put, okay. put the collar through it. And the Marco Polo um, has, um, Oh, it's it's made out of um, cloth and Velcro. Okay. So yeah, yeah the Marco Polo it's a lot. It's a bigger unit, um, so it might not be suitable for like uh, a really small cat. But you know, it's a small, medium, large cats. Um, yeah, it's much better for.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then um, I know with the Tab Cat, you get a you have like a receiver that kind of helps you find them. Is that the same with the Marco Polo as well?
0: Yeah, same same deal. So there's another product called the FindStar, which uh, has a, a, um, a device which attaches to the collar, and then another device which you can keep with you, um, which your phone connects to via Bluetooth. So that you actually um, connect to with your phone, and you'll be able to see it on a map where they are. But yeah, I've I've, I've used that a little bit, but the you know it's not accurate enough for what I want it to, for what I want it to do.
1: Okay, that's um, that's pretty cool that it's also got like a phone connection as well. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, um, uh, people like the phone, you know, they think it's pretty cool to have a phone app, but it's it's totally not necessary. It's a cool feature and, you know, there's always other features in some of them, like, you know, activity monitoring and stuff like that, seeing how active your pet is. But like at the end of the day, who cares? What you want it to do is to be able to find your pet when you need it to.
2: mm
1: yep exactly that's um such a good point um and well I suppose talking about activity and things like that I saw the other day that you took willow hiking um oh I have forgotten watch um what um, mountain it is in Brisbane but it's quite a beautiful area um do you do you mind taking us through how willow goes hiking and what process you take and stuff like that
0: yeah, so this is a, this is a new thing for us. Um, part of our endeavor to get Willow away from the van and um, get me out of the van as well, <laughs> <laughs> so get get us out into the world a bit more. So I was looking for a sort of a way to for her to um, have that comfortable, um, that safe place whilst we're away from the van, and I was thinking of getting like a backpack or something like that that. I couldn't sort of I couldn't find anything that which would suit me. and I didn't like the idea of the backpack where you couldn't see sort of what she was up to and how she's doing. So I had the idea of finding like a like over the-shoulder satchel that I'd be able to put her in. But that was a challenge in itself. And what I ended up um, getting was a nappy bag, or I guess our US friends would call it a diaper bag. <laughs> from um, from another uh, discount uh, discount department store in Australia, and um, the problem with it, it, it was um, it was the perfect uh, perfect bag. It's got all these pockets, and um, the the bag itself is big enough for her; it's perfect size. But the problem I had was that when I was walking with her, the edges, the sides of it sort of pushed in, and it didn't look like she was that comfortable. So what I did was. Um, I bought some um, metal mesh and sort of bended it, it bended it into a frame, which I could insert into it. And then um, she sort of, yeah, it it sort of made it so the the sides wouldn't fall in and she'd be comfortable. So uh, we we've we've taken this on a few trial walks, and one of them was up to a, a mountain near Brisbane, and it was, I, I was, I guess I was out of my comfort zone because we'd never tried anything this big before, and I think it was it was about four four-kilometre return walk, and I carried her pretty much all the way. But, yeah, she did really well. And when she was – if we passed a, a scary dog, she'd sort of duck down and she'd be able to hide where she felt safe. But most of the time, she just poked her head out and watched what was going on, and, yeah, it was really good.
2: It's good to hear that she took to it so well and that she enjoyed it. So I can – I guess so I can imagine this bag. So it's an over-the-shoulder bag. Is that right? So it's like a sling type that you use. Then in that case, is that right? That's,
0: that's yeah. That's exactly it. it. It's yeah. What you, what um, mothers will put all their um, the baby equipment in, all, all the nappies and bottles and towels and all that stuff. But um, okay. it was a, a rather sort of neutral design, and I've since um, decorated it with um, patches and. Little uh, uh, little souvenirs from our travels.
2: <laughs> oh, that's cool. So but, then, do you keep the bag on your side?
0: Yeah, so it's okay. um, with the strap. It, it sort of uh, sits um, about at my hip level. Right. So yeah. she's not sort of like bouncing around if it was any lower. Okay. And so two, yeah, she's on. She'll be on my side.
2: Okay. And then, do you have any weight distribution issues? Given that it's only on not, your
0: side. Yeah, not yet. Um, yeah, I imagine if I did it, if I did a lot of walks, um, you know, my back would start hurting. But you know, for for what we've done so far, it's been all right. But if you if you're talking about um, taking like an eight kilo cat with you, I reckon it would be problematic. So the owners there with larger cats, yeah, might not be suitable for. But I think um, for the for the five to six kilo cat, it's it's all right
1: yeah and I suppose the one thing to bear in mind was this was like one of your first hikes so as Willow gets more comfortable she might spend more time hiking with you so um, yeah that will make it a bit easier so
0: yeah yeah. I'm definitely hoping so (laughs) (laughs) so I don't have to carry it the whole time
1: (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah give her a bit of exercise getting out of the van as well so that would be pretty cool um Recently, um, I saw um, that you posted that Willow was in a field where cane toads hang out. And for those who might not be aware, um, cane toads were introduced to Australia to eat the beetles on sugarcane crops. But the whole process sadly misfired, and they've the cane toads have been wreaking havoc to all our um, native animals and also for pets because they're quite po- poisonous. And because um, cats see them as a fun thing to catch, and then they get poisoned with them. Um, and Like you mentioned before, that's just one of the dangerous animals in Australia. I think Australia is known for having all the scary snakes, spiders, everything. (laughs) Um, And Willow stays away from the cane toads, but how do you keep her safe from other animals that you might encounter encounter while you're travelling? Like, does she have a sixth sense or how do you you keep her safe?
0: Yeah, so we've been staying um, at a property up near... um, near brisbane in their paddock and at night the there's just cane toads absolutely everywhere and willow will come out for me if i'm taking photos and yeah she do, she won't sort of um she won't interact with them which is good she i think she knows they're there um but yeah she doesn't uh she doesn't try and eat them or anything like that but i actually feel a bit sorry for the cane toads because they didn't really choose to come here
1: mm, but yes that's very true of,
0: yeah, they're, they're just stuck here, and no one likes them.
2: <laughs> so
0: I actually quite enjoy um, taking photos of them, but yeah, that's another matter. <laughs> but yeah, with Willow, um, she's not much of a hunter, so I don't, I don't really have to worry about her, you know, playing with spiders or snakes, and um, you know, because I've always, I've always got her monitored with the tracker. I don't have to worry about her sort of going off and roaming. So. As long as I keep an eye on her, um, and she'll be all right. And like during the day, uh, I let her out and I know, I pretty much know that she'll either go under the van or on top of the van and she'll be there for like 12 hours. So yeah, I don't really have to worry too
1: much. That's awesome. Um, because that like when we've been traveling with Lumos and Noxie, that is something that I worry about because, um. Like, we don't travel as much as you, so we're not as good at picking out what the poisonous animals are or things like that. And like, for example, we went to the beach and Noxy went chasing after a crab. And I was just like, I don't know anything about these crabs. I had to grab her (laughs) and take her away and be like, no, the crab's not there. So that's awesome that Willow is so well behaved in that aspect. And so one thing that I like is that you guys get to see some of the most beautiful parts of Australia, but... From our personal experience, it's really challenging to find cat-friendly places in Australia. And like, and when, when I say cat-friendly places, I mean places to visit as well as accommodation as well. I suppose accommodation is not an issue for you guys, but I suppose it might be a bit of a challenge to find places to visit. Like, for example, um, Australian national parks aren't cat-friendly. So how do you normally find places for um, to take Willow and places to stay?
0: Yeah, so there's many places where cats aren't welcome, which I understand because it, you know, it's the best thing for the environment and their perception of of pet owners is probably probably people with dogs who let them roam and you know they and well I guess feral cats as well. That's their impression of cats. So they don't they're not prepared for people who keep their cats on leashes and monitor them. So uh, you know it's it's a I don't know what you call it. It's just something we have. We've got to deal with. But mm-hmm. there's so many other places that we can go, which are just as good, and with less people.
2: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about traveling is to find these amazing places, and there's nobody around. It's just quiet, and it's beautiful, and it's great. So that that's that's part of the challenge, and and also the reward is that we get to go to places, which we didn't know existed, and you know, it's great. But there are, um, there, there are still lots of parks and reserves and campgrounds which will allow cats. And um, we've a few times um, we stayed in an Airbnb. That's, that's an easy way to find a place to stay because you, you can actually check, um, you know, in the field to allow pets and it'll show everywhere. But, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. Uh, I guess they're, they're probably not prepared to receive a cat either. So I usually um, usually email ahead and sort of tell them what my situation is and you know it's worked out pretty well.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's um, Airbnbs. and um, in Australia, we've got um, Stays, which is an online um, platform as well similar to Airbnb, which is now home away, I think. And um, it's great. You can filter by pet friendly. and then there's reviews. So I always check the reviews to see if they mention a pet indoors with some of them say pet friendly but it's only pet-friendly in the garden as well. Yeah, and, um, not
0: good for cats. <laughs> yeah, not,
1: not great for cats. So that's been a really awesome way to find places. I've read in your book that you sometimes stay on properties and things like that. How do you find those properties? Because I imagine they're um, like personal properties.
0: Yeah, so the best way, um, the best way is to... Uh, to volunteer your time um, in exchange for accommodation. So there's a few schemes. People have probably heard of um, wolfing, willing workers on organic farms. Okay. Um, so that that's one scheme where, um, you know, they get they get people and um, give them accommodation and their meals and, um, in ex- yeah, in exchange for the work. So there's, there's another one which I've used called HelpX and – that's, um, that's probably more focused on, you know, it's a bit of a, a cultural exchange, you know, meeting, it's a way to meet people from different cultures or different ways of life. And we've used that a few times to find places. And another good one is couchsurfing.com. <laughs> so um, that's, that's where I found the last place I've been staying. And yeah, that can, that can work really well.
1: That's awesome. I didn't realise there were so many resources out there. So when you're looking at like those parks and reserves that you mentioned before, um, do you look online before you go to them to see if they're cat-friendly or do you turn up and then check their signs and stuff like that?
0: I'll pretty much uh, I check up um, before I go because, yeah, the last thing you want is to arrive at a camp at, um, you know, 7 o'clock in the evening, absolutely tired, and then realise that you can't stay there. So <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of staring at at, um, at my phone or my laptop. So yeah, sure, sure you're enjoying the outdoors, but um, for a lot of a lot of the time, you're glued to your phone researching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I really relate to that. So um, we're recording this in March 2019, and Daniel and I and our cats went on a road trip, and it looks like it's quite easy on the surface on social media that we just like went to all these places and they were cat friendly. But I actually did so much research beforehand and like got in contact with the place and um, just to check if they were cat friendly. And like I have a spiel that I give now if it's um, like an Airbnb, like I talk about how they clicker trained, how they harness trained, how and like all the things we bring. So we take a scratching pole and kitty litter and stuff like that. It does actually take a lot of time. So I relate to that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I do I do a bit of I just name drop my Instagram account yes. and that's sort of.
2: <laughs> I've been I've
0: been, I have i do not know I should be ashamed of that shouldn't
2: I? I've been using no. it to. Uh... <laughs> that does mean it's a big help though, I suppose. Yeah. So that's a good thing.
1: I do it yeah. too. I share Lumos and Oxy's account. I'm like, if you want to see what we've done before, go here. <laughs> yeah,
0: because it's I mean it's hard to explain in text, mm. but if mm. if people see the photos, they're like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: And another big help has been, um, like, if I've posted a photo from inside an Airbnb, I will send them the link to those particular photos as well so that um, they can see that we've travelled before. (laughs) So, yeah, it, it just helps a little bit.
2: It's all about preparation, and, yeah, that's exactly right, in that a lot of people don't see the preparation involved, but to make things go more smoothly and to find... But most places where you will be successful in taking a cat, it does pay to prepare beforehand.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely, and it also helps to do a little bit of research in the laws of the state or the region that you're in as well.
0: Yeah, we yeah, it's a big problem for us. You know the laws of um, you know where you're allowed to camp and all that stuff. It's a it's a minefield.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: So recently, you were in Brisbane and Australia in March 2019, which is when we're recording this. Has had some hot weather, and you mentioned that Willow actually had a stay at a, a staycation at a cattery. Do you mind explaining why you made that decision?
0: Yeah, so the locals have been telling us that it's the it's one of the hottest summers they've had in a long time, and I'm quite happy that we we made it through. But there were a few days where we we're heading on 40 degrees and, you know, it's quite humid and it just would have been, it would have been, I guess, I'd say it's unfair for Willow to sort of, you know, keep her in those conditions. So um, I knew, I checked, I was checking the forecast and I knew this day was coming up so I just booked her into a cattery and, you know, made sure that she was comfortable and I was more comfortable because I didn't have to worry about sort of where we're parked. I could leave the van and go somewhere cooler. So... Yeah, we always have that option. If the if the if the climate, you know, the weather does go crazy, that we can just board. And yeah, we know it's going to be okay.
1: That's a really good point. Um, we're in Sydney, which is south of Brisbane, but we, even those days, like we struggled. It's usually a bit cold, cooler here, but it was like this summer's been ridiculously hot. Have you had the opposite situation where you've been somewhere where it's been really cold?
0: Um. The cold's not so much of a problem because um, the, the heat is just unescapable, but the cold, you can rug up, you can um, get another blanket, you can put um, thermal clothes on. Um, so, yeah, it's not a problem. Willow just gets more and more cuddly, so I love it. <laughs> <laughs> She's, she just finds the heat and just, yeah, cuddles up, so it's great. But, yeah, the van is insulated. So when I was converting it, um, I made sure that all the insulation was um, – was installed and it can survive um pretty harsh sun like 35 degrees in full sun um we can sit inside comfortably and you know it's still it still feels hot but you know it's it's manageable and willow's comfortable
1: that's awesome um so when you decide, like, was that the first time Willow stayed at a cattery because of the heat? Like, is there anything in particular that you look for in the forecast to decide that it's time to send Willow to a cattery for the day?
0: She stayed in catteries before um, okay. when I've had to nip home um, back to Tassie. But mm-hmm. um, this was the first time I've um, dropped her off because of the heat. So I can't remember what the question was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. It was. I was just more trying to understand... Um, what like trying to give everyone a bit of a like a checklist, I suppose, to how how to decide whether to put your cat in a cattery while you're vanning.
0: Oh yeah, so yeah. I'm always checking the weather to see what the forecast is going to do. So if, if it's going to be a hot day, I want to know um, where I'll be and will I it, where, where if I'll be in a, a place where I'll be able to escape the heat. So you know if I'm stuck in the middle of a city. Um, you know it might be hard to find shade and it certainly would be fi- would be hard to find somewhere where I can let her out to cool down so yeah definitely always thinking ahead as to where we'll be and you know where we can best manage the australian climate
1: <laughs> <laughs> luckily we don't have snow as well, that much snow so that makes it a bit easier i suppose
0: yeah Yeah, I think um, we're we're actually uh, quite keen to get into the snow. Um, Maybe this winter we'll we'll head up into the uh, the colder regions and get some snow. Willow's first snow experience.
1: That'd be really cool. So like um, the snowy mountains?
0: Yeah, quite possibly. Who
2: knows?
1: (laughs) Awesome.
2: That sounds fun. So then in between these extreme weathers of hot and cold, what do you normally do with Willow during the day? Like do you leave her in the van when you go out or do you take her with you always?
0: Uh she's I generally leave her in the van. So um at the moment, um we're in the van at the moment and she's just having a nap on the dashboard. And I could leave her there for the next fourteen hours and I reckon she'd be fine. So um it's at the moment where we are, it's not very hot, so it's all right. But if we're um Say we're in like Brisbane City and it's a 35-degree day, uh, I'll be able to leave it for short periods. Um, but, you know, if I'm if I'm parked in the sun, um, you know, after an hour and a half, um, it's going to heat up in the van. So, yeah, I can't leave it for too long.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, just out of curiosity, when you're in a city, where do you normally park the van?
0: Um, usually uh, at friends' places or... If on a rare occasion, if we have to, we'll, um, we'll just um, get a sneaky night somewhere like in an industrial estate or something like that.
2: <laughs>
1: cool. Yeah. It's um, because I suppose if you're at a friend's place, it makes it a lot easier. You can park under the shade or something like that. So um, you're not necessarily right in the middle of the CBD.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. That, that makes sense. So you've travelled a lot through regional Australia and I imagine that you can go at times where you don't see another person and then at other times like we've just talked about you're in cities and things like that and that's quite a contrast. Um, how does Willow adapt to the change between the two environments?
0: Uh, I think she adapts better than I do.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Last year we um, we had our sort of outback trek um, through um, the through uh, outback Queensland. And um, part of that was spending 30 days off grid by ourselves. So that was, that was a really good experience to sort of have that time alone and to be alone with your thoughts and all that. But um, at the end of it, I sort of, um, how do I say it, valued um, human contact more than I did previously. <laughs>
1: I understand that but it was
0: a good good experience to uh, learn that because I mean as uh, I'm an introvert so um I need my recharge time and all that so it's um it was good to sort of know what my limits were and um know know that I I actually am quite outgoing and do need uh, do need social contact but as for Willow (laughs) she um Yeah, she handles it fine. If there's there's people around and and they're quiet, like at a campground, um, you'll see that she'll want to go over and say hi and explore. Or if I'm already already over there by a campfire, she'll come up and say hi. So, yeah, she just adapts to it well.
1: That's really awesome. Um, Talking about people and interactions with people, in your book um, you mentioned quite a few memorable interactions that you've had with people along the way. Is there one that stands out for you?
0: Oh, there's so many. I mean, you, you meet so many, so many people and so many different people, and so many of them are just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what I've loved mostly, what I've loved most recently, um, is meeting a lot of other cat owners and just, um, learning about, um, you know, meeting their cats and learning about their bonds that they have with them and how they live together. And that's, that's sort of, uh, That's been part of our – well, part of my um, efforts to sort of be more social and get out into the world is, you know, meeting more people. So uh, the past um, couple of months we've been um, meeting up with um, fellow Instagrammers and meeting their cats and I've been doing little articles on them and that's something I've really enjoyed.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I did read um, like a couple of articles about um, like Hello Pistachio and –
0: Oh, Yeah. I love that cat so much. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so do we. So we were lucky to meet Pistachio at the Cat Explorer picnic in November 2018. And, oh, my goodness, such a friendly cat.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I've never met a friendlier cat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, like, um... His owner was just able to pick him up and, like, carry him across, um, I think it was like two or three lanes of traffic, and he was just so fine. I was just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm getting stressed watching how calm he is. <laughs>
2: that cat can handle anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Uh, speaking of stressful and scary situations, have there been any situations while you've been out on the road that have scared you, and what did you learn from those?
0: We do a pretty good job of staying out of trouble, and I don't know if that's my personality or the fact that we generally avoid people, but there's been a few times where I've got in trouble with with the car, with the van. Um, a few times I've been stuck um, in the tides. The tides risen up, and uh, I've almost been stuck. That's been quite scary. Um, one, one in particular was when um, I was cooking dinner and didn't sort of wasn't really looking outside. And realised that um, the tide in the mangrove had gone up by about a metre, and um, to get out of this area, I had to drive 400 metres through about a foot of water, slipping and sliding through this this slippery dirt track. And yeah, eventually we made it to the other side, very relieved. So that's yeah, we've we've had a few misadventures like that, but nothing nothing too crazy.
1: I think that that's pretty amazing, though. Um, so, like, I would have never thought about checking for the tides in a mangrove area. Um, actually, a are mangroves I don't know whether they have mangroves everywhere. They're like little roots that stick out of the um, ground. And, um, yeah, that's that. Um, yeah. 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 So, do you now check for tides wherever you are?
0: Um, like I'd, I'd love to I'd love to say I've learnt my lesson, but I mean, realistically, it'll probably happen again. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, maybe maybe I've got some more experience in driving out of it. Who knows? But yeah, to know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's it's a good point. It's not something that you really think of, so yeah.
2: Well, Rich, um, we're just coming up towards the end of our episode, and before we let you go, we've got these fast four questions that we ask all our guests. So the first one is, what do you hope to see in the future regarding the movement of cats who explore with their humans?
0: Yeah, well, I'm loving that the the, sort of like the line between indoor cats and outdoor cats has been blurred. You know, more and more people are taking them outdoors and they're doing it in a safe way. So um, I just want to see more of that. I want to see less outdoor cats and more indoor cats, which are spending heaps of time outdoors, supervised and on leash and with having lots of fun with their owners.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I, I completely agree with that one. So what's been the most entertaining comment that someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Willow?
0: <laughs> um, we're not easily spotted. So um, Willow can be, she can be asleep on the roof of the van and people will walk past and they won't even know she's there. So one of the benefits of having a black cat is they're quite well camouflaged in the shadows. So, um, yes, yeah, not often people will see her, but occasionally we'll be at a campsite and um, Willow will be, um, you know, exploring just near the van and I'll have my camera and someone will walk past and go, hey, I know you.
1: <laughs> so,
0: yeah, that's happened a few times. You're that cat man.
1: <laughs> That's what you should change your name to, the Cat Man. <laughs>
0: I'd I'd take that,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. certainly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, talking about, I suppose, Instagram and social media. Well, what cat explorers inspire you?
0: Well, we've already we've already brought it up. Hello, Pistachio. Yes. Yeah. If 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 you haven't, um, if, if you're not on their Instagram, um, look look him up because he's just the sweetest cat and so much love and just um just takes it all in just like sits in a forest or sits on the beach and yeah just loves it love that cat um but there's also uh lamington and jamu um we've met them as well they're on the um on the sunshine coast they're awesome cats
1: yeah i love all three of them um like we've already spoken about pistachio but i love the things that lamington and jamu get up to and they live in like this i swear it's it looks like paradise. They live, like, they're climbing trees all day and it's it's just absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, I call it the jungle palace. But if, yes. you're, if you're worried about snakes, um, yeah, maybe don't check out their Instagram.
2: <laughs> 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 so what product, service or program has been a game changer for Willow? Oh,
0: I'd easily say the Marco Polo um, Pet Tracker on specifically in the monitor mode so that has just been um yeah giving me a lot of peace of mind to be able to relax knowing that you know willow's where i left her where she settled down for a nap
1: yeah that's um like that would give you so much peace of mind i completely understand that one so rich thank you so much for joining us today it really has been a blast where can we follow you and willow online
0: yeah, you can check us out at vancatmeow.com or Instagram and Facebook. If you type in vancatmeow,
1: with,
0: with or without spaces, I think you'll find us. And we've also got signed copies of our book on our website if anyone's interested.
1: Yep. So the book is called VanCap Meow as well, isn't
0: it? Yeah. And it's also available in um, bookstores around Australia as well.
1: Yep, and online as well. And um, you've got a few things that you've got up on your um, online store as well on your website, don't you?
0: Yeah, we've got. um, Well, calendar season's over now, so we've got the book, and we've just put up uh, greeting cards. So Mm -hmm. yeah, the non non seasonal greeting cards, so they can be used for birthdays or whatever. So yeah, quite proud of those, and we've got a few other little bits and pieces.
1: Yeah, they all look pretty awesome and I believe that um, at times you're also raising funds for m- motor neuron disease, aren't you?
0: Yeah, so um, every so often we'll do a little fundraiser and um, we'll yeah, donate all the money. It's it's mm-hmm. a, a cause which I wanted to raise money for and I didn't want to just say, hey, people, give us your money, we'll give it to MND. I mm-hmm. wanted there to be a, uh, I guess you call it a good Value exchange. So it was just easier for me to say, Here are the products. If you buy this product, then all the money goes to MND. Mm-hmm. And I've got this goal of raising $10,000, and we're at just over 6000 at the moment. So yeah, it's going pretty well. Pretty happy with that.
1: That's awesome. So what we'll do is we'll put all those links and any other links to things that we discussed today in today's. Um, in the show notes, which will be available at catexplorer.co forward slash
2: podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to us if you could hit subscribe and review the Cat Explorer podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help us to continue to get some awesome guests. As always, thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world.